Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Busy week, to say the least, for the Seahawks and the NFL in general, with NFL free agency opening and the new league year officially upon us. And a lot of notable Seahawk names are out the door and busy signing with other teams. We're feeling some type of way here on the Game Plan Podcast. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. What's up, man? I mean, what a crazy time right now. Just, I mean, so many changes. I mean, this is going to be, it feels like no one on the team is going to be left. Like, that's how it feels right now, which I know is an overreaction, but it is pretty incredible what they are doing to overhaul this, considering going into last season where this team was, uh, ready to go all in on a championship run, and all of the events that took place to get this team to this point where they are now with so much turnover. It feels like, you know... Pete Carroll's first year all over again. Yeah, it really does. Undoubtedly, there's going to be news that breaks after this posts later this morning and this afternoon. And we apologize on the front end for not being able to, uh, you know, see that in our in our foresight. But the latest on Twitter right now is that one one person had a report of Sheldon Richardson signing with the Vikings. Tom Pelissero is reporting that he remains in Minnesota and is getting the tour done but he has not yet signed anything. So no deal yet with Richardson. Let's just start there because it's the freshest news currently at this moment, Brian Perkins. He's still in Minnesota. He wasn't able to get to deal with Seattle that he wanted. I know reports were suggesting that Seattle could be hypothetically offering around 10 or 11 million, and Richardson thinks he can get in the neighborhood of 14 or 15. He's in Minnesota with the Vikings right now. Seems pretty imminent that he'll eventually suit up for uh, the Purple People Eaters. Yeah, well, it's it seems like uh, I believe that what uh, Mike Garofalo was tweeted was talking about yesterday. His his tweet was or his speech was a little misunderstood. Right, he said they hadn't offered them eleven million, him eleven million, but no. that was the minimum that he was looking for. But he was hoping for closer to fifteen million average per year. The nose tackle market has not been what I think some of these guys expected it to be. You look at Richardson not getting a deal done right away. You look at Indomitian Sue now saying that he's going to visit a bunch of different teams to weigh his options because he wants to get paid. So there are... Well, yeah. And Dominican already has been paid in his career. He has. But, but he's, he's also, looking for maximum value for sure. And, and he's, he's visiting the Saints today. And he's played at a high level, you know, before. He's not going to get the contract that he got previously. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. The only quarterbacks get those kind of deals anymore. But, you know, I, I get why he's... Why both of these guys are looking for that type of value at that position. But, man, if... if Richardson's gone. That hurts. Man, no Michael Bennett, no Cliff Averill next year. Wow. No Sheldon Richardson. You're totally remaking a unit that used to have priority in terms of who you're signing and who you're drafting. Like, it was all about defensive line and pass rush for so many years, and now you're losing some of your best players on that uh, on that side of the ball. Don Terry Poe, to your point, one of the defensive tackles that was entering free agency, signed with Carolina for three years and $27 million. While uh, the Buffalo Bills picked up star Lotu Lele for five and fifty, so Lotu Lele got around ten million. Around ten, yep. So, so Sheldon is seeing that wanting, well, Lotu Lele, you know, I could probably get around at least fourteen, I think. Um, you know, we could discuss the ramifications of that a little bit later. Next up, though, on the on the news, Seattle's been in touch. First of all, they lose Jimmy Graham, right? They lose Luke Wilson, so they didn't have any tight ends on the roster besides Nick Vanette and Tyrone Swoops. 
Um, they, I mean, Luke Wilson hasn't officially signed anywhere yet, but general consensus is that he will sign probably with Jacksonville or Carolina. But this morning they signed Ed Dixon, three years and $14 million for the former Oregon Duck and former Carolina Panther and Baltimore Raven. Ed Dixon comes back to the Pacific Northwest for 3-14. and 14. Not exactly your uh, prototypical pass-catching tight end, Brian Perkins. No, which once again shows this team's mindset offensively. Austin Safarian Jenkins was available. A lot of fans, a lot of Seahawks fans aren't happy that they didn't uh, try to make a more aggressive offer for him because, of course... He has ties to the Seattle area. So I hear. <laughs> um, yeah, according to our sources, um, and our sources being college football. So, you know, he signs he signs for, what, an average of about $4 million per year. So when you see this deal, all of a sudden, you know, I think fans are looking going, well, what the heck? You couldn't bring in a younger guy who's from the area, who, you know, is a pass catcher, this and that. But Ed Dixon, first of all, a lot of experience in the NFL, right? He's won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. He's been to another Super Bowl with the Panthers, the one that they lost to the Broncos. This is a guy that is a very good blocker, but you're not going to see much of an impact in the pass in the passing pass catching game. Yeah. Which to me once again shows the direction that this team wants to head. Based on the coaching hires that they've had, based on the turnover that they've had on this team, they are trying to get back to their roots running the football. Mm-hmm. Why did they bring in Zach Miller? It wasn't to, to have 800 yards catching and, you know, eight, t- eight touchdowns. It was to block. It was to pass protect. It was to be a, a, a force in the run game. And a third down option. You and know, a third down option. You know, which Zach Miller was amazing at that. And Ed Dixon, I know, has made some big catches before. He He's not Zach Miller, though, either. No, you know, he's not, not, no, no. But but that type, that type but of But he's role, that type is, of player. Yeah. He's a poor man, Zach Miller. There will. was a flash in the pan that he was fantasy relevant couple years ago with Baltimore maybe where he just was catching random passes and but for most of his career in Carolina number two tight end to Greg Olson who was a huge threat so when Dixon was getting the ball he was getting it in favorable matchups you would think um guess who's older Dixon or Jimmy Graham well Dixon is 30 he is yeah I think he's 30 Graham is 31 so Dixon is actually eight months younger than Jimmy Graham so we got that going for us (laughs) Which is nice. Uh, which, and, it, which is nice. And know. Dixon hasn't had, to, to my recollection, is he had any sort of major injury in his career? I mean, I can't, one doesn't come to mind off the top of my head. He's been a guy that, you know, obviously, you know, the Ducks, and, and we keep track of a lot of former Duck players. I don't recall any sort of major, major injury. Every football player has injuries. The fact that but, they go for him three years in 14, does that signal number one tight end on this office? Doesn't it depend 20, what the 2018 are? fully guaranteed. 2018 is guaranteed. Yeah, which makes sense. They need a tight end. I mean, right now they have Vanette and Swoops, right? Like you said. Well, and, and Swoops is practice squad in like all year. Yeah, so. and Vanette has not turned out to be the guy that they had hoped he would be. Right. Not yet, at least. And honestly, years. I don't know if I'm even comfortable with him being the number two guy behind Dixon. <laughs> honestly, it depends on how well he blocks at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, after seeing Jimmy Graham here. Well, um, but you know what? See, it's so funny because. We talk about how Jimmy Graham wasn't utilized well in Seattle and how um, it was frustrating because it felt like he wasn't a target enough you know, during his time and his tenure with what they were paying him. So if if we truly felt that way, we can't be angry when they then sign a guy that's not going to be heavily involved in the pass game. Right. You know what I mean? They're not going to spend a lot of money on the position. They want a guy that can you know, uh, be good you know, in the blocking scheme, and that's what's more important to them. 
And the fact that they have, instead of trying to reach and try to make that work again, they brought in a guy that can, yeah, he can you know catch, catch a pass every now and then, but primarily he's going to be involved in other parts of the offense. I think we should all be okay with that. Which because, is why we shouldn't be mad that they didn't get Austin Safarian Jenkins. Two yes, years, I mean, ASJ ends up getting two and ten, and incentives up to eleven with Jacksonville. Obviously, Seattle didn't want to offer him that, so they go three and fourteen with Dixon, which is, you know, we don't know what the guarantee numbers are. Probably a are, touch less, but that's a year. touch. That's a tick less than five a year, based on basic math. But with the and we don't of- know what the incentives are. But is it really? You know, it makes you wonder what Jenkins wanted if he signs. If he signs for just five a year elsewhere, I mean, he's 25 years old. He's someone that's already come through a lot in his life already in terms of what he's had to overcome and get to this point, which I'm a big fan of because I think we all have got peaks and valleys that we got to work through, obviously. He's had, some, he's had some valleys. He's had some serious valleys, without a doubt, and I think you always have to factor that in when you're signing somebody because that's got to be in the back of your mind with drug relapses or anything, what have you. Not that that's going to happen, but that's always a that's always a factor that you have to be mindful of. He also had 50 catches, a career high. He's a red zone threat. If the referees call a couple things the other way for him, he's got two more touchdowns. And the difference between what he ended up signing with Jacksonville, what the Seahawks got Dixon for, considering the talent and age of those two players, should have Seattle been a little bit more liberal with with Jenkins? I think it's a fair question. I get where you're coming from, but what Seattle needs is consistency. And they need someone who knows who they are as a player. And Ed Dixon knows who he is as a player. He's a guy who has been to two Super Bowls. He knows his role on a football team. Is he a number one guy? I think in Seattle he can be based on the style of football that they want to play. I, you know, I think that Seattle, the Jimmy Graham experiment experiments made this team, I think, really realize that that position is not going to be one that needs a lot of attention in the pass game. I have no issue with it. It could have been. I think it's a good signing. I think Ed Dixon is a good player. He's relatively young still, and he is going to fit with what they want to do. I'm fine with it. If you look at what Seattle has in terms of money, Greg Bell said yesterday that they had $22 million available. This is after they signed Barkevius Mingo, which we'll get later, and, and uh, Bradley McDougald, and includes the rookie allocated drop pool. Now with the... Uh, with a handful of that 22 going to Dixon, I'm not sure how much, but I don't know. Let's say five. That's about 16 and a half, 17 million left for them to utilize in free agency. Um, we'll, we'll see where they go with that in a moment. Earl Thomas trade rumors. They happened again last night or yesterday afternoon. Several teams, quote, in talks with the Seahawks and Seattle seeking a first and third round pick in return, maybe more. High asking price for Earl. But the very idea that Seattle is engaging other teams in trade talks for Earl, not named the Dallas Cowboys, well, including but not limited to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, what else can we expect from this offseason? I mean, might as well talk about Earl Thomas trades. I I wonder if Tyron Matthew coming available has impacted this at all Mm -hmm. and the fact that they could bring him in because, I mean, if they trade him with with no solid backup plan there and there's really no one on the market, I mean, Matthew isn't, in, in my opinion, even close to Earl Thomas anyway. But, I mean, he is a very good player. Yes. Earl Thomas, though, is is irreplaceable from the standpoint of you are not going to bring anyone in. Unique skill set. That is going to be as good as he is. I mean, that's just fact. 
Right. You you might be able to draft someone that could be as good as he is at some point. If you get lucky. But it is Hall of Famer. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever do it his at his position. One of the best ever. So And he's twenty eight. First and a third is fair asking price, right? It is, but I get why other teams wouldn't be inclined to trade it. Super it, high. It's a super high asking price for a guy on the last year of his deal. I don't think this. I don't think it's going to go down unless he's willing to sign an extension with them, because with whoever he goes to, because you're not giving up a first round pick and a third rounder for a guy that's a rental for a year. You know, it just doesn't make sense. I don't think to most franchises. Last year of his deal, he's due eight and a half million this season. When he goes into free agency, if he signs in free agency as an as an unrestricted free agent next summer, then Seattle will get a third rounder in 2020 as compensation. I'm sure they would love to get more value than just a third rounder in compensation if they and there's always the possibility of him holding out if he doesn't get the the extension from Seattle before the season. There's always that possibility. I and this is where I'm struggling, Judah. Yeah. What is this team trying to do? Are they rebooting? Right. Are they resetting? Are they reloading? Because if you're reloading and maybe you're saying, okay, 2018, whatever is is not going to be a great year. But you expect 2019, 2020 to be another big push while you're still in the prime of Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. I don't understand how you don't keep Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. He's 28 years old. Sign him to a three-year extension. Pay him 10, 11, whatever, 11, 12 million a year. He's worth it. He's still one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand this move. I, I was really upset yesterday when I saw that news. I mean, I was I was livid. I'm a uh, default mode of being upset right now, so <laughs> I just stayed the same. Fair I agree enough. with you. If you can project in this with this fluid market and everything kind of in question and in upheaval, especially around this team, if you can still keep Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas for the next three years, at least you got something to work with. You're talking about a team with 17 million left. I think that priority right now, look, free agent market ain't, ain't pretty anyway. Let's reallocate that 17 to try to work out an extension that Earl likes that begins now. I know the guys had a few injury problems, but those aren't the type of injuries that really help make you decline as a player, you know, like a broken leg, things like that. He played so well last year. You know, if this was a guy that was injured a lot last season and he missed 10 games and, you know, was kind of inconsistent, none of that. He played at a very, very high level. And you can... Still, if you keep Earl, salvage something of the legacy, the Legion of Boom, in terms of just legacy with this team. There's a chance that if Cam Chancellor doesn't come back, you know, who knows if Cam makes the Hall of Fame, but at least he's in the discussion. There's a chance that you're talking about Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, all going to the Hall of Fame, and on each of their plaques, left the Seahawks before they were 30 years old. And I would, I would hate that. I mean, their identities should be forever locked and loaded with Seattle. It shouldn't be parted ways with them before or prematurely. And what's unfortunate, and maybe what makes Seattle hesitant to extend Earl Thomas, is Cam Chancellor's contract. They give him an extension. Now he's probably going to have to retire because of a neck injury. And this is a guy that is going to get, what, $7, 8000000 million this year, guaranteed, and yeah. then another $5 million next year. So... I mean, they have acted on the safety front with the signing of Bradley McDougald for three years and thirteen point nine million. And Bradley has versatility to play both strong and free, although he's got more experience filling in for Chancellor at strong safety. And we like him. 
Yeah, for sure. But but what I'm saying is this is a team that kind of went all in. They extended Cam Chancellor. They made the big trade. And then Cliff Averill goes down. Cam Chancellor goes down. Neither of those players are coming back. Michael Bennett was injured pretty much all of last season. He was playing with something because clear with you know based on how limited he was. So you just look at all of these factors that played into where this team is today, and it's pretty it's pretty sad and disheartening, just based on and and I just wonder how much that Cam Chancellor contract in particular makes Seattle shy away from an Earl Thomas extension because they got burned on that one. They got burned on him. And when you are t- talking about these type of big questions, you know I think John Schneider undoubtedly is got a couple of thoughts going through his mind about his future in Seattle. And I think that how that's, long can he be doing this with Pete? Because yeah. I know that he probably wants another shot, another job. He was being linked to that Green Bay opening and Seattle wouldn't let him talk to him. Yeah. yeah I mean, I these know. are big, big issues and topics that Seattle is dealing with right now. And not only that, but hey, you got to hit on the draft for the first time in five years. And you don't know what your draft needs necessarily are because they're everywhere, depending on who you pick up and sign in for agency. It's, and are, are they going to extend Dwayne Brown? That's another huge question. You traded a second and third for him. A second and a third. He's going to be 33 years old, but if you if you could lock down left tackle, it depends on how he fits with Solari and all that. And if he stays healthy. All right, let's we, we're pressed for time, but let's quickly pivot to the offensive line because there's an opportunity to fill in left guard with Luke Jokel leaving. I don't know if Luke Jokel signed anywhere, by the way. Um, but I, CFL. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's been reports. Let's see. Josh Sitton, the former Packer and Bear, he signed with Miami, so he's off the market. DJ Fluker, the former Charger and most recently New York Giant. Uh, Mike Solari was with the Giants, I think, last year, and Fluker played well with the Giants when he was healthy last year, so there's that relationship. Um, Fluker in Seattle might be a nice fit, but again, you're talking 17 million. You're talking possible Earl Thomas extension and where priorities lay. Um, does Seattle need to make a move here with a guy like Fluker? The offensive line again has so many questions. It's funny because you would think like, oh, that's really the only position they need to fill right now. Not necessarily. Justin Britt's contract all of a sudden doesn't look great and it's really backloaded. Do you try to dish him? Do you try to put Posick at center, which is where his natural position lays? Is Afedi going to go back inside? Because that's where, you know, if, if you look at Solari and the type of guys that he likes playing at guard, he likes maulers. You know, then what do you do on the outside in that situation? There are a lot of questions around the O-line, too, in my opinion. It, to me, it's not just, oh, let's plug in one more guy and, and we're good to go. I think that they need to evaluate pretty much everybody except for Brown Except for Brown. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's a fair, fair. It would be fair if they were doing that. Let's put it that way. Luger would be a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd be a fan of that if they if they chose to go there. Um, the fact that Seattle loses Jimmy Graham and Jimmy Graham goes to Green Bay for about the same salary number that he had in Seattle, about 10 a year, three and 30. And uh, Aaron Rodgers gets a shiny new toy, a tight end weapon that he hasn't really had in a long time. Happy for Jimmy? Yes. Yeah, he, look, it didn't work in Seattle as well as they wanted. There's mutual but, culpability there with Bevel and Graham and sure, Russ, I think. Sure, I don't think it's all, it's 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 more complicated than just something that's black and white, cut and dry. But, yeah, I mean, I... I Traded Unger in a first tough. rounder for for three seasons, and only in one of them did you get 10 touchdowns. Like, that's garbage. It's, it's really difficult because the Packers have become essentially a rival to Seattle. So, right. you know, Richard Sherman goes to the Niners. Yeah. Jimmy Graham goes to the Packers. You know, we haven't even had a chance to talk about Sherman to the Niners because we had our show last Friday when he was released but not yet signed. 
boom, just like that, he's in San Francisco. Highly incentivized deal, three years, up to 39, obviously betting on himself. He was his own agent. The idea that he goes to San Francisco, yeah, still a touch surprising because it's the rival, but as you let it marinate, not surprising at all because have you met a more competitive person? Have you met a guy that takes personal riffs more seriously than Sherman? Of and course, this was And a guy that will bet on move. himself, too. That is- yes, and the Niners had cap room. They do this type of thing. Of course, this is what was going to happen. Of course. It hurts. Yes. It hurts. But at the same time, I'm not mad at him. I mean, I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm not mad, bro. But you mad part? <laughs> I'm not mad. I think that, look, the team cut him. The team, he took the offer right. to Seattle right. and gave them a chance to match. Right. I don't know how, as a fan, you can be mad at Richard Sherman not, for doing what he did. Not logically. You can't. And this, once again, plays into. The whole, if Richard Sherman is on your team, you love him. And if he's not on your team, you hate him. A lot of people feel that way. And a lot of people probably do not like him anymore because of that. But I just, I I respect him a lot. And I respect that that he's willing to bet on himself and sign that kind of deal. And I honestly respect that he's a little bit petty. And yeah, that he wants I love that. to face the Seahawks twice a year. I would like to think I'd be the same way if I was in that position. Yeah. Res- respectfully stick it to your former employer. Yeah, I mean, stick it to him. He didn't come in and like bash anybody or, you know, bash the front office or the fan base or anything like that. Always compete. He just you know, he wants to prove to that team that they made a mistake and he's going to have a chance to do that twice a year. Now, he did have an interview with uh I think uh was it the MMQB. undefeated? I think it was the undefeated, was it not? Or was it MMQB? Pretty sure it was MMQB. Well, that was two days ago. He had another one today. Oh. That he had some interesting comments. I can't even about, keep track. I know man. he's Between done March Madness, Tiger Woods it's it's like, shooting a four under sixty eight in NFL. I don't even I know if I have a personal I'm life. Ridiculous right now. It's amazing. <laughs> um but he uh he had some comments, we'll talk about this later, but he had some comments that were semi critical about Pete Carroll's philosophy in Seattle that we we will need to discuss down the road too. Um you know, let's flesh that cycle out a touch more because Michael Crabtree got released by Oakland, who had to make room for Jordy Nelson, who never made it to Seattle, though he had a scheduled visit. He goes to the Raiders. So Jordy never makes it to Seattle where he had a, a, a scheduled visit. Should the Seahawks talk to Michael Crabtree and bring that dynamic full circle? Crab to Seattle, Sherman to San Francisco, Akeem Tlaib in the L.A. with the L.A. Rams. Oh, come on. That's too much goodness. I got to have that in my life right now. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, why not? I, Seattle needs a receiver. They do. They do. So right now, so I mean, many positions they need filled, man. Also, it's Paul crazy. Richardson to Washington. That happened. You know, Deshaun much, Shedd. Much love, Paul. <laughs> Deshaun Shedd to the Detroit Lions. That happened. Um, Seattle's receiving core right now, if you talk about it. You got Doug as your number one. You got Tyler as your number two. You've got Ed Dixon. You know, where else are you going? Who, who's the guy they, uh, the Eagles uh, that they traded for? Oh, yeah. That guy. Marcus Williams, Marcus Johnson. Yeah. Marcus, he's fast, 438. He's fast, caught like two passes last year. Two passes, couple fumbles, you know. <laughs> Let's put him on the field. Um it, a lot to be desired in the pass catching core, especially considering the secondary seat you're now facing in your own division six times a year with the Rams and now Sherman the Niners and Arizona's always tough. Well, not only that, but you think about the fact that Seattle is going to have to be better offensively than they were last year because the defense is clearly going to be taking a significant step back. And I'm a little surprised. 
Now, Seattle, historically, in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era, has not made a lot of moves day one of free agency anyway. So that first day, when everyone's like, what are they doing? They're not doing anything. Well, they they never really have. That's not really what they do. They like to see how the market is flushed out, values for each position. And then make a like big that. trade for a first-round pick <laughs> yeah. later on in April. Sure, that's fine. But you know what I mean. Like <laughs> yeah. they, they just have never really – it's really not what they've done. That's never been their philosophy. So it's hard to – I mean, it's hard to just, it's hard to be surprised by that. But at the same time, you know, you would like to see more dedication to the offense, right? I mean, the offense is going to have to be better than they were last year. And, you know, I think that most people realize that if you put the right weapons around Russell Wilson, he's going to be very, very good. And if you can add a complimentary run game to that, you're going to have um, an offense that's going to be very, very dangerous. And you're going to have to if you want to be competitive next year. If you want to be competitive in the division, and win more than seven to eight games, I mean, you have to dedicate some money and resources to this offense. But they just don't have much right now, so we'll see. That's why 2019 feels more Mm -hmm. realistic in terms of making a run again. You know, Terrell Pryor, not not the most sexy of names, but somebody that's been talking to Seattle allegedly, he would be a quote-unquote big target, right? At least he's tall. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, we'll we'll see. Things are undoubtedly going to, to have a domino effect as the weekend unfolds, but... He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. This is a free agent frenzy edition of the Game Plan (laughs) Podcast. We'll talk to you again next week, everybody.